0: let me know cause this house is to identify develop and launch amen so if god has sent you to connect to this house when god reveals what he has put inside of you amen just know that he's going to create opportunities for you to come forward if you're not sitting in a house amen that's looking to keep you oppressed and keep you back but if god has put something on the inside of you for his people believe me the day is going to come but while god is preparing you the bible says that him that knew to do the lord's will but prepared not himself see if you feel like god has called you to ministry then you have to start preparing yourself and the times the best times to prepare yourself is when nobody knows who you are in that wilderness The wilderness season is the time that God has to see what he's invested. When nobody knows who you are, when he's proving you on the backside of the mountain. He called Moses when nobody knew who he was. He called David when nobody knew who he was. But he let them know who they were. And then he began to send them through seasons of preparation and those are the times it's better for God to for you to fall off in the wilderness versus God raising you up and then you bring shame to his name so a lot of you you're just in your preparation times let him develop you let him grow you even our Lord Jesus had to go through the wilderness the scripture says that the spirit led him in the wilderness and it talks about even how it led the children of Israel in the wilderness. It said he sent them there to humble them, to prove them, to know what was in their heart. And one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is when he make you think that I, I just represent the face of a man. When you, if you think that I have anything to do with your destiny coming forward, the devil is a liar no man can stop the destiny that God has put on the inside of you. No man. So be faithful to the Lord. And the Bible says that when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, in due time, he'll exalt you. Praise God. So y'all stand up on your feet. Amen. Amen. Not only is she a friend of mine, she's a sister wonderful servant of God the prophetess that God is raising up amen and most of the times when people are being raised up and you identify who they are they say not me well that's throughout the Bible <laughs> Jeremiah tried that he said God I'm a child Moses tried that he said Lord I can't speak but when God calls you it's always predestined separated from the womb of your mother Paul said God separated him from his mother's womb with the purpose of revealing his son in him. Amen. So God called you from your mother's womb. How many of you know that? God already knew what he wanted you to be. And he put it all on the inside of you. And my job, maybe you come across me for a season to identify and encourage you and when you become confident in who you are how many of you know the door is gonna just open up for you to be do what God has called you to do so never let the enemy trick you and make you think somebody can hold you back the most times what's holding people back is what they're doing in their seasons of trial amen because promotion don't come from the east promotion don't come from the west it comes from the Lord. And as long as the Lord is the head of the church, God is going to speak and say, hey, so-and-so is ready. Bring him up. Praise God. That's how it works. Amen. So keep on seeking the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to call my sister up, Sister Kizzy. Amen. Y'all live a warm welcome. She has a wonderful word for the house today. Proud beyond what you can even know. Amen. Amen. How I many of you know she's a wonderful teacher of the word of God? So you're gonna be blessed today, praise dog. God bless you. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
1: Amen. Amen. Woo! Yes, like that's the LJ said this is my first time here, but I'm so honored to be here. It's, um, The ground was already tilled by that wonderful praise service. My God, I was like, thank you, Lord, because sometimes you feel like you got to work the crowd. But Lord, thank you. I'm in a house of praise and people are already ready to receive the word of God. So you're making my job easy today. So bless you all. I'm so just wonder. Just it's a privilege to be here today. And I pray that whatever God puts in my heart, that it comes out. You know, when you go through that period of preparing, you're like, God, is the right word to say. But like Pastor LJ said, he tries you through the wilderness. He prepares you in the background. When people didn't even know my name, God was always there with me. And so I believe that the word he placed in my heart is exactly what needs to be spoken today. And I'm so grateful. If we can go into a word of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, humbly, your servant comes before you this day. Lord God, I know it's not me, but it's you that's within. me. God, Father, I thank you for this house, Lord God, that truly ushers in the presence, Lord God. God, even as we come in here, we feel the love, Lord God, and the true bond of peace, Lord God, that only you can bring about, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, as even as I speak, Lord God, whatever word is being spoken, that it goes into the heart of the hearer, Lord God, and they're able to receive and do and perform exactly what you said in Jesus' holy name. You may be seated. Glory to God. And as Pastor L.J. said, I'm, I'm Kesey Broaden, and I really thank him and Sister Shannon, my lovely friend, just because they have the heart to develop us and help us. Lord, they're not selfish where it's always about them and only them can preach, but they allow others to come and fulfill their gift and their destiny. So I'm really grateful to that. But as I want to make this clear. So I'm going to give you my disclaimers because um, I don't want you to pick up your, your phone. Britton, you know what I'm talking about. And they start um, click, click, getting off line because they think this woman don't have much to bring. So before you do that, let me give you my disclaimers. All right. <laughs> number one. <laughs> they are the short-winded for they will be invited back. So number one, I don't speak very long. I say what I got to say and I get out the way. Number two. I want you to understand what God has placed in me is always to be an encourager. I encourage anyone about around me. You know you're not going to be around me very long with a negative attitude cuz I'm going to stop you in your tracks and we're going to turn that thing around. Even when it seems like it's impossible, I'm going to speak something in your life to say, "Hey, look at it this way cuz we're going to turn that around." So that's what I want you to get. Some kind of encouragement, something to help you move along the way. Number 3, if you've seen my Bible studies, you already know I'm very interactive. I don't like to sit still as it is, so I like to engage my audience. I might call your name here and there. Don't get embarrassed if I do that. But I love to engage them because that visual learning actually helps you keep it in your mind. I don't want to just speak words to you and you clap and say, she gave a good word, and I ask you, what did I say? And You say, I don't know. It was just loud and good because I'm not going to be too loud, but I am going to give you some substance. Number four, I move a lot. Cameraman, I'm just letting you know. I don't You might see me here. I might go down there, wherever the spirit leads. So don't get distracted by that. And number five, again, blessed are the short-winded. So can you hold on with me? I'm not going to be with you very long. Hold on and see exactly what God is saying in my life. Now, let me ask some questions. As I was speaking, who actually paid attention to everything I just said? Raise your hand. Well, praise God. God, that was about half of the audience. Now here's my other question. Who was paying attention to what was going on on these monitors? <laughs> Wait, one sister over here said she was doing both. <laughs> and the reason I did that is because what was it that caused you to not listen to what was being said that was pretty important to me, maybe not to you, because something interrupted what I was saying. You normally don't see the monitor scrambling about and putting distorted images on there. Normally, when Pastor LJ's up here, he's speaking or the minister is speaking, it's a clear flow. But today, I deliberately had that monitor going on because I wanted you to get in your mind before I even start speaking that life brings distractions. And a lot of times, there are distractions that are unaware. They come unexpected. You don't even want them most of the time. I don't want these monitors scrambling around talking. I want you to listen to me. But that distraction brought your attention to there. So you probably missed half of my disclaimers. I'm not going to repeat them. Just go with the flow with me here. (laughs) But it does cause you to stop what you're doing. I want to read this definition of distractions. (laughs) Amen. distraction is a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something. So I was asking for your undivided attention, but that monitor made you go, wait, what's that? What's happening? How can we fix it? Another thing a distraction does is it agitates. It's an extreme agitation of the mind or emotions. Can you all agree? And because I have kids and I love them. But just sometimes things or people can agitate you and bring you into a state of mind or emotion that you did not want, such as anger, such as a bitterness, jealousy. All these things are occurring and you're wondering, wait, I can't focus on what I was doing because this pulled me away. So today what we're going to talk about is overcoming your distractions. I'm going to pray I don't knock this thing over. (laughs) Amen. So what we're going to look at, there's different types of distractions, as I just described. You have visual distractions, you have manual distractions, and you have cognitive ones. So of course, you know, the visual ones are the things I can see, like the monitors changing. The manual ones are things that happen to you. Like if you get in a car accident, that's something that happened to you. But then those cognitive ones are the ones that's in your mind, those mind battles. Pastor LJ just gave us a wonderful series. I admonish everyone to go back and listen to all three on repeat because there were so many good nuggets in there to help us. Because sometimes we don't know exactly how to cope when our minds is racing and doing all sorts of things that we can't control. Uh, Zoe gave me a statistics. So I was asking her, I wonder how often we think about things. And listen to this. It is estimated that the mind thinks, You think. how many times you think? It says 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day or 25 to 3,000 thoughts in any hour. That means your mind is constantly being bombarded with something, so you can see just with that statistic. It's easy to see you can get distracted at any moment, at any time. And these things, when you get the distraction, they pull you away from what you were assigned to do. When Pastor RJ was speaking, I told Sister Shannon, "Let him talk. He's preaching my message. You helping me out here because when you are tried in the wilderness, there are so many distractions." When you are not exactly to that goal, but you're trying to reach it, and we already know along the way you're going to be faced with so many battles, so many things that can pull you away from where you were going. But we need to learn. We're going to be a skilled church here. We teach you how to endure life, to overcome the things that beset you and stop you. Because I believe in my heart everybody here is successful already. I don't even care where you are now, if you don't have the finances, if you don't have the house, the car, whatever, you are still successful because your final destination is not where you are today. So it's easy to say, yes, I'm looking at a successful person right here. Yes, I'm looking at a successful person here because I'm not looking at where you are now. God don't even look at it that way. We can easily know he said he knew you from your mother's womb, right? He knew you before the beginning of time. He knew exactly where you were going to end up. But why do we allow ourselves to get distracted along the way and stop in our tracks from doing what he commanded of us to do? What is it? What causes these things? Let's look a little closer. So I, um, I started this actually thinking about it. and I was like, God. This week has been the most distracting week I've had in a while. I say, Father, can you please help me not be distracted while I'm trying to learn about overcoming distractions to the point I could not even study. I couldn't pick up my Bible because the baby got sick or, or job. my employees called out for work, so I have to fill in for them or we have all these issues that arise. This is life, y'all. <laughs> it shouldn't surprise you. It's life, but it still doesn't feel good when it hits you. And so you get so distorted, you're like, okay, what do I do to calm this down? And so even when God began to show me of these things, and I was thinking about the beginning of the year, 2020, how many of y'all was hype? Woo, new decade, 2020 vision. I love numbers, by the way. So when I heard 2020, I said, God, that's clear vision. Man, it's is going to be the best year ever. I was stoked, ready to go. We even did the vision boards. That was awesome, by the way, if y'all attended that. So you wrote down all your ideas. All of your goals, this is what I'm gonna do this year. Man, you run that race and you be tight, ready. We're at February 8th, I believe it is. How many of y'all stopped? I'm just curious, who stopped? Hey, we got a house of overcome. Not one person raised their hand. Maybe it's too early in the year. I'm gonna ask y'all again in August. Because I wanna make sure you understand one important thing. If you set a goal, keep striving and keep achieving to get to that destination. But we know so many people, they do that. They get offset. They say, man, I'm ready to go. And the one thing that hit them derails them. And you can't find them anymore. They're no longer in church. You really can't even find them because when you call their number, click. They hang up on you or they send you the voicemail. Because they don't want to be bothered. They're festering in that life distraction. And when you have a brother and sister keep on. Uh, who is here to help you, let them help you. Don't try to do this thing on your own. Uh, Pastor LJ in one of his series said, we were not designed to live this life alone at all. Now, unfortunately for me, when I was growing up, a lot of people don't know my, didn't know me that well. They knew my family. My family was very outgoing, lively. I'm the shy, not really shy, but just reserved. I'm very introverted. And I had this little dream, you've heard me say this before, that I wanted to live on the island by myself as a multimillionaire, successful, only interact with the, the uh, common people when I need to. This is my words common people, when I need to, and go back to my island. I literally had this thought of isolation. And I was serious. I was only 15, but you know, I thought that was my goal. But God, at the age of 16, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And God took something out of me and he had to show me, daughter, you need others. You cannot do this thing alone. You know, you can't be isolated. So as I matured and grew, I say, okay, God, you can take the isolation away, but keep the multi-million dollar dream alive. All right. Because I need that for to help the kingdom and keep going. So he can take away the part that's not good, but keep the other part good. And he's been doing that. He's been grooming me. And even as Pastor LJ said that in the wilderness, he's been grooming me for this. I have never said I wanted to be a minister. I'm a behind-the-scenes person. But when you notice the gift, you don't let anything stop you. How many of you are sitting on gifts? Sitting. You know what you called to do. You know what's in your... At 16, I knew I was a prophetess because immediately God dropped that in my heart, but I shied away from it. I let other people speak things in my life, calling me names, no kidding. They were saying things to me to say, you're not this. You're not that. Who voice you think that was? You think that was their voice? That was the enemy. But guess what? At 16, it was effective because I shut my mouth and I stopped talking. So then at 23, I tried it again and the same thing happened. You need to keep that to yourself. Blah, blah, blah. And you know, all these negative things. So I shut my mouth. But see, now I'm 42. And Pastor LJ said, you're not shutting your mouth this time. (laughs) He encouraged me to keep going. (laughs) But do you know, that's the kind of leader you need in your life. You need someone who's going to encourage you to do exactly what God commanded you to do. Again, like I said, I don't see not one unsuccessful person in here. I see all with the vision of what God has placed in your heart and know that you will fulfill it. So when I was looking at this, I was thinking about what caused us to get distracted. You know how they say you only have a one track mind. What really causes us to get off that? And so I was wondering if we can just look again, if we can follow through, and actually find that one thing, the key thing that pulled you away. Was it someone speaking something negative in your life? Was it a loss of a loved one? I mean, some people, honestly, when their loved one passed, it breaks their heart to the point that they no longer are who they were before. That is real. That is a real emotional thing that most people need counseling nothing's wrong with counseling saints. Okay. Praise God. Because yes, we can pray. I believe in, if you know me, I'm a prayer warrior. I believe in prayer first. Then sometimes you need that after the prayer person that you can communicate those emotions, those feelings to overcome that distraction. And sometimes you even need yourself time to heal we try to rush back into it, you know, after we just got hit with a hard blow. Man, I'm going to get back in it. Why? You no good to any of us. You are an emotional mess. I'm here to tell you it's the truth. I've worked with behavioral health for a very long time in my career, and I've seen that where, you know, they think, well, I'm just supposed to be super strong, superwoman. Here we go. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And then inside, you got so much work in there, so many distractions. You're really not really focused on what you got, your task in hand, by the way. You look like you're polished, but you're a hot mess inside. Those are the moments where you need God to truly baby you. Oh, I tell him that all the time. I say, God, I'm your baby. Hold me right now, please. Yes, I'm 42, but I'm still your baby. I'm your infant. I go all the way back to infant stage where well, I can't do nothing, God. I can't do one thing for myself. I can't change myself. I can't feed myself. I need you. And when you are real and transparent with him, guess what he does? He steps in and he does it every single time. You can ask him a hundred times a day and if you trust him, he'll step in. So don't feel like you have to do this thing by yourself and I'm isolated. I'm alone and I got to show this polished face like I'm all put together when you're really not. Be vulnerable before your father. He loves you. Do you know how much that touched my heart when my little one runs to me? Just this weekend, They were uh, Zoe was going through something, and I was at work, and i like, what's wrong, baby? Can I help you? No, mom, I'm all right. I knew something was wrong, but the child would not tell me. My heart started breaking. You got to tell me what's wrong. Do you know that's how God does for you? He wants you to tell him the issues. Tell him what's pre- um, what's perplexing you so he can help you. And when she opened up and told me what was wrong, guess what? It was A, B, C, D. Let's get this done. Just like that. Okay. Things got better. (laughs) But then she also told me when I showed up at the scene, she's like, mom, oh, there you go. You there. Do you know when God meets us in that quiet place and wrap his arms around you, even if the situation didn't change, do you know it's all better? It's like, it's already, I put that on my page. I'm like, It's already all right, because God stepped on the scene. Now, God, walk me through the steps to get it together. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And so a little closer at these distractions. I gave some examples of things that can distract you. I started with the minor things. But, you know, there's a big push uh, if you look at any type of public service announcement of texting and driving. We already know that's a major distraction. And how the statistics show, let me see, uh, over 77% of traffic accidents are a result of a driver's error. I was like, good Lord, that's a high number. To say that we can avoid most of them by simply putting down our phone. But then I laugh, I say, it's not just the phone. Now, come on, y'all agree with me here. What about the ones who putting on their makeup while driving. I'm not kidding, I was at a red light and my, well, I don't know her, but I said, this girl on the side of, uh, in another car, had her eyeliner thing going and a phone conversation, I can't even do that, <laughs> while driving. And I'm sitting there like, baby girl, how, where are your hands at? I guess she was driving on her knees or something. Because she literally was putting on the eyeliner and the phone clocked to her head. That's a major distraction. You won't hurt somebody down the way I just wanted to blow my horn and say, put one of them down, you know. And then what about us who eat on the go? I'm guilty of that because I'm always on the road. And you got food and you're concentrating on the food. One of my friends told me that she bent down, this was a while back, to pick up a drink. She looked up and she crashed right into a car. And she said, man, that drink was not worth me losing my car. How many of us can agree? Some things that are distracting our life, it's just Not worth it. Let it go. That drink could have waited. You could have waited till you got home. I don't know what made you do that. But at that moment, you thought it was important. But then the consequence showed you, man, it really wasn't that important. So it's like you let that go. But then also we look at these other kind of distractions. When we get distraction, you actually miss out on what's important in life. I've done that too many times to count. I'm on the go, ready to do something, ready to go forward, have my mind made up, have the plan. We need to be people who plan. We need to set goals. But I had it all worked out ready. And something made me do this. And then when I turned back, it was too late. That opportunity 't passed. It was too late. Uh, They have that saying hindsight 2020 y'all know what that means, huh? Man, if I can look back and do something a little Differently, I would have achieved what I wanted to so today. I just want to make sure you understand Don't live in the past and the what-ifs We want to live in the presence of what can and how can and what do I do to get to those things? all right, so I Have a question for you. How many of you think you're multitaskers? Okay, I got, this is funny, I got all the, fe- most of the females and a few brothers. Because that is something that I've seen where they say females have this innate ability, so they say, to do five and six things at one time. And I'm here to uh, brush your bubble a little. Did you know that your mind actually cannot do two tasks at once? You're like, what, what are you talking about? Yes, we have voluntary and involuntary uh, factors that's going on in his body. God created us very skillfully and I love him for that. But when we introduce ourselves, it, in other words, what I mean is you're not telling yourself breathe every five seconds. You're not saying breathe. You're not saying breathe. That is volunt- going to happen no matter you do it or not. That's what I meant by it. God created us so skillfully. But what if we introduce ourselves into that picture and try to do more than one thing at a time? Do you know your mind only can focus on one of those tasks? To be successful, thank you Brother Lee, it's when you are successful you focus on one thing at a time. So you might look like you're doing it and you got this going on, but what happens is the brain slows down on that one task and it focuses on the next. And then it goes just like a tennis match, it goes back and forth. And whatever needs the most attention is where the attention is going to be. Does that make sense? So that's why distractions causes you not to successfully complete the task. Now, like I already told you, I'm a very interactive person, so I want to see if I can get a few people to come help me with this demonstration, if you don't mind. I'm not going to do anything harmful. (laughs) Trust. Come on. Come on. You got to have a little coordination. Oh, no, uh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm willing to come. You don't have to be coordinated. (laughs) Oh, because what we're going to show is exactly what I mean about our, we think, oh, y'all can line up right here in front of me. I'm going to give you some instructions facing the camera. Come over here so the camera can see y'all. Y'all come over here so the camera can see y'all. Yeah, because we're going to, we're going to analyze some things here. So what happens when the mind is trying Yeah, you got enough space. Your mind is trying to adapt to doing more than one thing at a time. All right. You've probably seen this before, but let me do it. Everybody up here, rub your bellies. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let them do it. Everybody up here, pat your head while rubbing your bellies. Audience, are they doing a good job? I see a few of them not doing what I said. Rub your bellies, pat your head. Everybody up here, rub your bellies, pat your head, and start reciting the ABCs. (laughs) All right, audience, who out here is actually doing what I suggested them doing? Can you point to the one who really doing it? Thank you. Amen. So in that little demonstration, less than five seconds of me giving instructions, you saw some started off really great. They could rub that belly. Did anybody miss that? Come on, that's an easy one. Okay, so everybody was rubbing their belly. Then I said, pat your head. So God, here we go. We got a second test. How many of them actually did it correctly? Rubbing their belly and patting their head? Probably 50 percent, you think? Yeah, they were. Thank you. Listen to what Pastor Lee just said. That was good. He said they were rubbing their head. You know why? Because the brain was focused on rubbing the belly that automatically that other hand said, well, I got to rub the other part, too. So it was trying to agree with what was going on. But there was another that was a different assignment given to you. You see right there, that's not effective. And then I added a third distraction, right? I said, sing the ABCs. Now, look, number one, do you even know the ABCs? I'm just joking. Y'all adults. Y'all should know it. <laughs> but do you even know how to do that? Because I know when you're rubbing and you're doing this and you're trying to focus on saying the words, those words got getting scrambled. Well, you can't even get it out. So that's true real-life distractions. That is what happens with us in our daily occurrence when we're trying to get something done and then all these things get interrupted. We are bombarded with information overload and we have to decipher what's important and what's not. You know, sometimes you literally have to slow your thoughts down. I do this, my friend on Facebook asked me, what do you do to desensitize when you're around a lot of people? Because I'm an introvert. I told her I have to literally sit in my car, my children don't like it, for at least 10 to 15 minutes when I get home. And don't talk to anyone. I just have to desensitize myself. Amen. Desensitize myself from all of the distractions because I get information overload. And they're like, mom, mom. I'm like, wait, you mom, mom and is distracting that most. I need you to move on in the house and wait till I come in. Even the dog, he does that too. He'll come and try to get my attention. I'm like, not right now. Do you know how important that is to get that little me time in? Give yourself that moment to stop and breathe. Pause. Then get back on track. Amen. Amen. All right, so that was a great demonstration. Thank y'all. Y'all are the best. I actually thought only one or two people was going to come up here. Y'all are awesome. Thank you so much. So let me look at some of these distractions, okay? Uh, The multitask example, I gave you that. Also, when you look at things that are tangible, we can touch, or intangible, things you can't touch, that distract us. So our phones, people in our lives, background noise, someone talking while I'm ministering can uh, disturb you, right? Okay. But those are the things that happens that you have no control over. You have absolutely no control over. But what about something that impacts you in a more difficult way? You know, if you get a hit with a sickness. I mean, we can all attest to that. Sometimes the body just get riddled with a sickness or you have to have a surgery or something happens and you're like, God, but wait, I had all these plans. I love talking to my dad. My dad's my counselor. My mom's my counselor. They're wonderful people. And he always tells me, baby girl, don't plan everything out for the whole week and think you're going to get it all done. So it's fine for you to plan and set goals, but don't set that expectation like I check it all off my bucket list. Thank God I'm not type A. I'm okay if I skip a few things off. But I know some of my friends, they will have a miserable week if they can't finish all those tasks. Life happens, everyone. Things happen beyond your control. What is your position in the middle of all this? Stay consistent. This too shall pass. (laughs) weeping may endure for the night joy comes in the morning you know trouble don't last always you want me to keep going (laughs) but these are real things to say to yourself so that you'll know I'm going to overcome this Amen. I like how Pastor LJ said, I'm not climbing that mountain. I'm going to tell that mountain, you got to get out my way because the word of God says I can cast it into the sea. So I'm not trying to. That's hard work climbing a mountain. I just wanted to get out my way. God, no sense of walking around the mountain, command, whatever it is to get out your way. And let me be focused to go exactly where God tells me to go. And so, look, I was looking at this. I'm going to pull up this um, stat again when it says 77 people, percent of people get distracted you a good example of what happens in your mind when you're distracted. And so one day um, my parents, this was last week actually, my parents and I were on the phone. No, I'm sorry, it's about two weeks ago. We always talk. I drive a lot. I drive a lot. Um, What's the average miles you drive per year, Brother Gene? Like a car. 15,000 miles and my car is less than two years old and I got 64,000 miles. That's just to put in perspective of how much I drive. So I have to pay attention. I cannot let distractions come and derail me from what I'm doing, but in this particular instance, I was talking to my parents, they were making me laugh about something. Now I'm looking at the interstate and it has a V to split to the left or to the right. My knowledge, I know this path well, says go to the left and you'll get where you're going. This is me. I don't need the GPS. I know where I'm going. While talking to them and they're laughing it up and I ha ha ha. Had on um, Bluetooth. I did not have the hand, the hand, the I had my hands on the wheel. I was safe. Okay. But anyway, I'm driving, and this is literally what happened. My mind. Go to the left. My hands did this. And as I was doing this, I started, it was like this, I was going 60 miles an hour, but I felt this slow motion pause in my spirit to say, why are you going to the right when you know you need to go to the left? And my head was doing this. And I sat there and I was like, mom, dad, do you realize I turned to the right when I knew good and well I was supposed to go left? Has that happened to anyone? You knew clearly where you were going. You knew clearly your final destination. You even knew how to get there. You didn't need the GPS. But something happened to pull that distraction and you doing this while constantly in your spirit, saying, but you need to go this way. (laughs) And when when I did that, I was like, wait. Now let me tell you this though. In the middle of that, I could have corrected myself, but I had to count the costs. By me consciously going this way, if I would have corrected myself, I would have caused a car accident because you're not supposed to just whip your car in traffic trying to get to your exit. Did y'all know that? Please don't do that. I could have caused myself harm along this way. So I had to decide, okay, I'm going the wrong way, but do I have a way of escape for going that wrong way God always makes a way of escape for you always know that if you get off path you get off course don't stay there because I could have made a decision to say oh well I'm just going to keep this path going and guess where I it ended up back in Lafayette because that's the path I would have been going if I went to the right I didn't want to go to Lafayette I was trying to get back to my Baton Rouge exit So even though you go through that, your mind is telling you something, you make the wrong choice. Get back on track. Don't let the distraction be detrimental to you. So what I had to do, and this was unfortunate because it cost me something. That distraction cost me time, energy. It delayed me. But no matter what, I couldn't keep going in that pathway. (laughs) No matter what, I would have ended up in a different destination if I'd done the wrong thing. I turned around. It was about a five mile because this interstate was long. Five mile before I could turn around, come back up, and guess where I ended up? That same position again. Second chances. Thank you, God, for (laughs) them. This time, by now, mom and dad's like, baby girl, hang up the phone. We'll talk to you later. Phone's hung up. Radio's down. You know why? Because I said, oh no, we're not doing this again. That costs too much. (laughs) That costs me too much to get distracted. I can't do that again, God. I can't let myself get vulnerable if something in the flesh is bothering me. I'm speaking on y'all terms now, on a different term. That takes me away from what exactly God has called me to do. I can't do that again, God. I may have walked away from you and been prodigal for a minute, but I'm not going to stay there. I came to my senses. I knew that I need to go the right way instead of going the wrong way. When God wakes you up and give you that second chance, what you going to do with it? I could have been foolish. Now, look, my distraction was removed, right? Life taught me the lesson because I knew the way it was the wrong way. So I had the life lesson when I got back to that pivotal point. Many of you are at that pivotal point in your life. What do you do with it? Do you make the same error? This time, knowing the results, but you decide I'm gonna do it again anyway. Driving around in a circle, never achieving the destiny or the goal that you set to do. This time when I got there, I took away as many distractions as I could. And I said, you will go left. And what's so cool about that is, I knew what to do was right, and I still did what was wrong. Was it intentional? Probably not. I was distracted. So we can't make excuses for the flesh and say, oh man, that was just an error, that was a mistake. Correct your error. Don't let that thing fester and become a habit. Then you are totally lost, and there is no way for Come back because you constantly go in a circle until you make up in your mind, enough is enough. Now I will get back on track. Now I'm going to do what God told me to do. I will walk the path he tells me. And it's not always easy because I told you it cost me something. Go on. It cost my gas. It cost my time. I was late for the appointment. It was just so many things. All because I had a minor distraction. And guess what? Here's a kicker. My distraction was pleasurable. Wow. My distraction was not a bad thing. No one threw rocks at my car. My car didn't break down. My tires didn't go flat. I was talking to my lovely parents. (laughs) But that positive distraction was still enough to take me off course. Be aware of your surroundings. That's why God tells you to walk circumspect. Everything that looks good is not good for you. There are certain things that you have to avoid in life and not walk in even though if it's okay for someone else. That was a hard lesson for me to learn. I'm like, but they doing it. Take your eyes off of everyone else. Their assignment is not your assignment. God got them. God got them. He's a keeper. But right now, he might be sending them through a little something that's different from you. See, when your assignment is greater, that trial is greater. You can't be like, well, he skipped church and he do this. Why can't I? Because you were called to be a prophet. You were called to be an evangelist. You were called to be a minister. You weren't called to be a bench warmer. So your assignment is greater. And that means that you cannot do what you see your fellow brothers and sisters and do and get away with it. Oh, it's going to cost you something. Oh, I got the preaching buddy right here. Hey, I love it. All right. Yes. And that's what God does for you. He sincerely gives you your assignment. He gives you direction. You follow it. Don't break it. It's going to cost you something. I always feel like I'm in contract with God. I'm sorry, I do. I deal with contracts in my life, so that's how my mind thinks. I'm always negotiating contracts, writing contracts, seeing how I can get... So I said, God, look, you said this about me. I'm going to keep my covenant with you. Don't you know that's what he wants you to do? Keep your covenant with him. That's how you'll be blessed. In Deuteronomy in 28... What did he tell you? Follow his commandments and you will be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, your outgoing, your incoming, your ca- everything around you will be blessed. But we want the blessing without obeying. That is a dangerous territory. And I'm not gonna go off track too much, but I always get reminded of that when I hear people say, Man, I can do what I want, and God gonna follow me everywhere I go. Really? See, you don't understand what grace is. (laughs) You got to understand what mercy truly is. Because just because you in your situation, and you think, oh, God got me. (laughs) I'm doing fine. Look at me. I have no trouble. But you constantly disobeying what he tells you to do. And yes, his mercy is renewed every morning. Yes, it is. Thank you for it, God. I tell him that every day. But don't think that one day that bill will get paid. Because the things that you do, every single thing you do, Everything you do, I'm telling you, not one thing will not be accounted for if you don't repent, turn away, and walk away, and no longer go that way. I'm not talking about the dipping and dabbers. I'm talking about those who are sincere about doing this, the way God said. You have to have that heart and compassion to want to follow his commandments, not your made-up commandments, and more certainly not what your pastor says, if they're off course. Be careful with that as well. That's another topic. I'm going to get back to my topic. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to go back to what I was talking about. <laughs> and so let me um, think about this real quick. And sister, um, you have Daniel uh, chapter 3. I'm going to read this right quick. Amen. So we're going to pull up. let see. I'll take it from my Bible. Nothing wrong with still having that paper print. So in Daniel chapter 3. That's why I said, Pastor LJ, we were preaching my message. Keep preaching. (laughs) Because one of the examples I looked at as the distraction was the three Hebrew boys. And remember, we're trying to overcome those distractions. And when I look at what they were going through, they were not careful in this matter. Can y'all say that sometimes to yourself? No matter what it costs, I will follow you, Lord, all the way no matter what. There's a passage that says, what does it profit a man to gain this world but lose his soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? You know, we we say that lightheartedly he sold his soul to the devil. But what it really means is that you rather do anything outside of what God says so that you can achieve a goal. Do you know that still is a distraction right there? That is not the way to do, if you underhanded, undermined it, scheming, whatever term you want to use, to get what you get, it won't last. And even if you think I got it good on this side, <laughs> there's a judgment that comes. I think people forget about that judgment, Pastor LJ. They put that to the burn because they don't hear it all the time, so they forget about that. I'm living my life to the fullest while I'm here. No regrets. Do what I do. What they say, just be you, Boo. That's one of the phrases they use. Sometimes you better not just be you, boo. Because <laughs> maybe you is not exactly what God ordained you to be. You're like a little chameleon. <laughs> Ooh, you can change at a moment notice. That's a dangerous person to be around. I'd rather know who you are all the time, consistent, than you wishy-washy here, there, everywhere. Lord, I avoid people like that. I'm just telling you, because those are dangerous. So don't just be you. Try to be what God commanded of you. No, don't try. Do be what God commanded you to be. Amen. So we're going to look at the story of the three Hebrew uh, teenagers as they were going through the fiery furnace. I love this story. First of all, they were young teenagers. Pay attention. These young boys made the decision. I don't care what the king say. I know my God. My God is the only God. I'm not bowing to your God. Okay, teenagers, you're not bowing to your pressure, right? You're not bowing to the image of whatever your fellow peers put on you. You're going to stand firm on what God says. I speak this to my children. I don't give them options. Yes, you're gonna make your own choice, but you're gonna hear this is what God says concerning the matter. Not, but mom, but because e, uh, mm. see, like even in the government, they have now made it so you can talk um, freely about homosexual behavior. In the schools, they make it now that you can speak freely about transgender and all these things. Okay, that's what the world does, but I tell them, what does the Word of God say, teenagers? Oh, it's okay. If they do in a relationship with the same sex, is it really okay? By whose standard is it okay? Is that God's standard or is that this world standard? I speak to my children like that and I pray that the teenagers listen. You are not governed by the ways of this world. When you're in Christ, you're governed by his word, his way. Now, we don't mistreat anyone at all. Make that clear. I don't shun anyone just because of who they may be in the world because I still pray for them. I still pray for their well-being and hope that one day they'll get the truth. If you're around me, you're going to hear the truth. I sometimes may embarrass my little sweet daughter because her friends come around me. They've always been around me, and I don't compromise for any of them. And they still love me. <laughs> you got to have a standard. So like these three Hebrew boys, they held their standard. But guess what? There was a consequence for that, right? They were going to be thrown in a fiery furnace, and then they answered the king again. I'm in Daniel's chapter three. If you want to read it, start at 17 or so. It says, "If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of the uh, thy, king, thy hand, O king." So they were very comfortable <laughs> without knowing. But they were very comfortable because they knew the God they served. In verse 18, it says, but if not, how many times do we get distracted by that whole but in our lives? Like I said, what decision are you going to make? Excuse me. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy God, no matter what I'm not bowing down, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So the king got furious. He was like, oh, okay, I'm going to show you. So when you're distracted, teenagers, by the pressure of life, do you bow down because now the person who is impressing on you have now threatened, I'm going to pull my friendship from you. I'm no longer hanging around you at school. We're not sitting together. You are not my friend. I'm going to dog your name on social media. These are real life examples when I'm speaking right now. Do you bow down to that pressure and say, well, I guess I need to compromise just a little? No! These boys stood the course and said, all right. So they got bound up, shackled, thrown in fire that was seven times hotter. Not one of you have ever been thrown in fire, I hope not. But can you imagine the fear that was in their heart, not knowing, But the trust and the faith they had in God to be secure. So, yeah, because teenagers, come on, let's just be real. That's a scary thing to say. I'm bound up. I can't escape in fire. But my trust is still in you, God. I'm not bound down. So the end result, you already know what happened. The end result, the next day, King comes in looking. Those boys were not touched. Not only that, they were not bound any longer. Not only that, the fourth one showed up. Hallelujah, God. Thank you for my fourth one, I tell him that. God, thank you for my fourth one, cause I needed you. And he's never ever delayed, he's never late, he's always on time. Cause see, the fourth one was there before that fire. I didn't know, I mean, excuse me, they didn't know. They didn't know he was already there. He prepared the way before. He prepared the way to make sure as soon as they come in, not one singe, it was like a cooling effect. (laughs) They walked in into a cool tunnel. Because remember, the guardsmen got burned up. So we know that fire was real. But when them boys walked in, they were like, oh, look at that pathway of coolness. That's just my imagination. That's the way I see it. That they walked in and the fire was on the left and to the right. But hey, they walking straight up the middle with the fourth one. That is how he does things for us. Even when you're in the middle of the distraction, the things that really can pressure you, you got to call. on. I do that all the time. I say, okay, fourth one. I need you right now in the middle of this one because I can't do it. That fire is hot. It's hot. I don't want to get consumed by it, Lord. Right now, I need you to step in. And do you know every single time he has been faithful, he has never failed. Can we all agree? He has never failed. Can we all agree? He has never failed. I can't count one time that he has failed me. Even when I failed myself because sometimes you get to that point and the pressure of life hit and you're like god i'm just backing up i don't want to do nothing i'm sitting down i'm going down and what happens all of a sudden it's like he lifts you up where that strength came from god he said in the weakness he makes you strong and that's what he's done over and over and over again so why would i discount him now Why would I not trust him like these boys did? See, the end result, that king changed his judgment. How many of y'all need some judgments changed in your life? How many of you need some things to alter in your life? Well, you can follow the example of the Hebrew boys and their distraction. Don't change your mind concerning the God you serve. Don't back up into the world thinking it's better there than to be in his house. Don't allow yourself to let that circumstance to suff you out and you compromise your integrity to get something that's temporal because God is everlasting. And I promise you that everlasting God will deliver you. It's amazing to me how good he is. Hallelujah. And then we're going to look at another example. I'm still in Daniel. I love this. Because here, this is when Daniel prayed. So this is a distraction of when your prayers get hindered. Oh, I had to breathe on that one. Because many a times we pray and we want instantaneous answers. I prayed yesterday. I want my answer right now. I prayed and I'm looking for it right this moment. Y'all some microwave generations around here. I tell my child that all the time. Do you have patience? Can you wait? Don't blow my phone up 20 times asking me to do something for you. I heard you the first time. (laughs) Give me time to deliver what I need to get to you. See, in this instance with Daniel, and um, this is chapter 10, and you can start reading at verse 12. And this is the response. Then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel. So insert your name there. Fear not, Kizzy. (laughs) For from the, what day? First. That very first time you uttered those words, I heard you. Hallelujah. From the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, thy word were heard, and I am come for thy word. He was coming. But what happened? The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, or twenty-one days. Twenty-one days. Twenty-one. That's three weeks, right? Can you wait three weeks to receive what God has said? Can you actually put yourself on pause? And look, while you're waiting, because I hear this all the time, I'm waiting. No, while you're waiting, keep moving. (laughs) That's not counterintuitive. While you're waiting, keep serving. (laughs) While you're waiting, keep praising. While you're waiting, you keep praying. In other words, don't give up just because there's a halt. And what you ask for. Don't get distracted to the point you just say, man, I give up. God's word tells me a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You won't get anything. Why? It's not that he don't want to give it to you, but you're just bouncing all over the place. I want this one day. No, nah, I don't want that. I want this one day. No, God, no, let's go back to that. You did. At that point, God, okay, when you make up your mind, I'll come back to you. I don't want God conversating with me like that. I want him to say, I'm assured of what my child needs and I will deliver exactly what she needs and he's always on time and I'm not moving. Don't move off the position and think, oh man, he took too long. Do you know sometimes that break of day, it's literally weep for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Literally, morning comes what, 12, 6, What's dawn to dusk? I'm sorry, my math is off. A few hours from dusk to dawn, when you're going into night to day, that's not a long time to wait. So you, seven hours? Seven to five. That's not long if you put it in perspective of when you get what you're going to receive. But sometimes right before the break, we decide, ah, I'm going back. That was too much. That was too hard for me. Do you not know that God knows everything concerning you? And everything you endure, he cares about you, so you're not walking this journey alone. And I thank God for being there, even as He says, in this, with Daniel, he sent Michael, one of the chief prince, to help, and I remain there with the king of Persia. Do you not understand that God got His angels looking after you? All of us are assigned an angel? Yes, you are. So you're protected, you're guarded. But don't feel like you're by yourself because he sent him to do whatever he needed to do in the 21 days to make sure Daniel's prayer was answered. He will do the same for you. Amen. Hallelujah. I told you I'm about to wrap this up. This is my last example. Pastor LJ already spoke of my third example. So I'm not going to go too deep into that. But when Jesus was tried in the wilderness, the Holy Ghost. Oh, What? The Holy Ghost test me and try. Wait, what? What does the Holy Ghost come to do? He's going to prove things in you. He's going to teach you. He's going to. So you thought the Holy Ghost was going to say, okay, Kizzy, this is how you write your name. And he just delicately do it. No, look at what he did for Jesus. He put him in the middle of that, that wilderness. And you might think this is unfair. Jesus was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. So he was weak in, in that physical body. You know, a lot of times we think Jesus is Superman. He's not a superhero. He's the son of God. But the thing is, and when he was in that fleshly body, he felt those same weaknesses that we feel. He felt all of it. He He was everything that we had. So when the enemy came and tempted him, he could have easily got distracted. But what did he do to overcome his distractions? Use that word of God. When you feel like you have absolutely no answer to the solution of your problem, use the word of God. When you feel like there's nothing more that you can do, you turn to his word. There was some acronym that said the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. Okay. That's what I want. I want my instructions given to me so that I can live this life to the fullness. And my last example is Peter walking on water, because this is one of my favorites. I I, I can recite this all the time. Did we um, turn into Matthew's chapter uh, 14, and I'm going to start at 22. If you can bear with me, this is my last example. I told you I'm going to be short. So straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get in the ship. This is right after they fed the large uh, crowd of people with uh, two fishes and five loaves. So he told them, go your way, I'm going my way. Because Jesus... Again, remember how I told you sometimes when you're sensitized with things, you got to desensitize and be alone. Jesus just showed you that same example. So don't be afraid of being alone sometimes. He went his way, but he sent them their way. While they were going, a storm arose. Their ship, I'm in 24. The ship was tossed in the waves. The winds were contrary. Okay, saints. Think about your life right now. Take a minute and think. What in your life is representative of this situation? That it's contrary. It's not something that you want to face. It's tossing you in your emotions back and forth. So get that in your mind and see the example of how this distraction, And how Peter overcame them. I'm going to read a little longer on this Um, in 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. Guess what Jesus was doing? After he got um, restored and got refilled and got his strength, he walked on the water. How many of y'all ever walked on water? I'm just trying to take a sense. Okay, that's what I thought. That's a supernatural thing to walk on water. So right there, if you were natural (laughs) and you see a something walking on water, fear is going to kick in because that's exactly what happened. Whoa, that's a ghost. That's a spirit. Fear legit kicked into their heart. In those situations when you were thinking about the contrary thing in your life, has fear kicked in? Are you stalling out doing the things that you know you need to do because you're afraid? You need to ask yourself that question. Okay so fear has kicked in. The disciples saw them and they were troubled. Troubled in what? What they saw. They said it was a spirit. In 27, but straightway Jesus spoke. So when you're in the middle of your situation, are you tuned in enough to hear what Jesus say to you? Are you listening? To see, see exactly what does the Father say concerning this. Are you still consumed by, oh, that's fear, oh, that's this, and not what it actually is. It was not a ghost, it was Jesus. So sometimes our vision is distorted, and we see or think one thing, we perceive, Brother Gene, I love that Bible study. We perceive something. Our perception is off. We see it from the natural stance, but we're not seeing it from the spiritual stance. Right there, you need to realign yourself and get in alignment with what God says concerning it. And this is what Jesus says. Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. He commanded them, don't be afraid. Can you at that moment when when he says not to be afraid, can you drop in and say, okay, I'm not afraid. I'm going. Let's go. Do you realize the other disciples did not do what Peter did? This is what Peter said It's 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come and to be on the water. Again, have any of you walked on water before? So Peter was asking a supernatural, impossible thing, but he saw his Lord do it. He had the faith. If you can do it, I can do it. Because think about it. Peter was around Jesus. He saw the miracles and he wanted that. He desired that. He's like, let me test this. Y'all should get to the point where you want to be like the Father. I'm not going to let my life control me to the point that I'm miserable every day and I never achieve and I'm walking in fear. I'm going to stand bold like Peter say, Lord, if you say it, let's go. Oh, that's some good confidence right there. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm coming to meet you, Lord. Because think about it. Everybody else in that boat was probably still afraid. Peter had some boldness. I can almost imagine. Here's another distraction. I wasn't there. It's just my imagination. The other disciple, man, no, you can't go out there. You're going to drown. Can you imagine people in your life telling you, you can't open that business. You're going to fail within one year. Can you imagine people saying, don't write that book. No one's going to read it. It won't be a bestseller. Can you imagine them saying, don't you dare open up that salon. That's not for you. You can't sell things online. Don't do nothing because no one's going to buy. Can you imagine, Sister Lottie, someone saying, your brand ain't nothing. Telling you that, come on, she said she know her brand something. That's the confidence that you need to have. But can you imagine those things circulating in your mind? Because that's what the disciples were doing, trying to hold my brother back. You can't do this. But what happened? Peter did. (laughs) He said, what? This is what I love. I love Jesus so much in the red letters. That's Jesus speaking. No one else is speaking. They did not encourage him to get off the boat and get in that water. They were discouraging him. That's my thoughts. Let me have my thoughts. But Jesus said, come. That's it. Jesus did not write a manual script to say, okay, this is exactly how you need to get off that boat and step on the water, make sure you have the right shoes on, make sure you gear it up, you got to put the mask on, put that scuba, Jesus did not do that, he said one word, come, how many of you are going to respond to the word that God has spoken concerning you, he said come, he didn't wait till Peter was perfect, he didn't even wait. that when he said come that Peter had to make the decision and it says he got down out of that ship and he what walked on water he did the supernatural by one word of God one word of Jesus one word spoken come he wasn't derailed by the things immediately that beset him he wasn't even concerned about the people speaking he came he obeyed. Thank you, Brother Sonny. He obeyed. But guess what happened, y'all? If <laughs> I get you to understand that if Peter was not distracted, he would have made it to his Lord and Savior and done exactly what he set out to do. But when he saw the winds boisterous, so again, the conditions did not change when Jesus told him to come nothing changed he did what he commanded him to do he came he walked oh my god how many times have we actually done what God told us to do and we're feeling good but then a distraction blows across us a distraction comes in life that you were not expecting something took you off the focus And what happened, he became afraid. He began to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. See, I love Peter. Peter didn't let that situation take him out. (laughs) He didn't go all the way under. He had just enough room so his mouth could say, Lord, save me. Some of us are at that breaking point where we only have just enough room left in our mouth. Lord save me I can't do it on myself something changed within me I had the faith to believe you I trusted you but something changed and right now I can't do it on my own so Lord save me keep me from drowning keep me from sinking God keep me from going back I don't want to be under I want to do what you tell me because if Peter would have given up he would have just drowned but he had something in him to say okay God I want to keep doing what you tell me to do save me hallelujah what did Jesus do? immediately he stretched forth his hand Jesus did not sit there and say well son you didn't follow through so no you sink Jesus didn't do that. My God, it's too good for that. You got to get in alignment with him. Forget the naysayers. Oh God, I can imagine them disciples saying, "Uh uh-huh, we told you, we told you, we told you. But forget all that. You got to hear what he says concerning you. Immediately, he stretched forth his hand. He caught him. Some of y'all need some catching right now. Jesus, catch them. Catch them, Lord. Catch them right where they are. Catch them, Father. Catch them. Stretch out the hand If they mouth won't stand for them, save them, God. Don't let them sink. Don't let them go back. God, save them. Catch them. And he said to him, you see how he's a good father? He rescued him first. <laughs> but he didn't leave them to just... Keep doing those thoughts of fear. He actually said, Oh, thou a little faith, wherefore did you doubt? Isn't that something we need to ask ourselves? God, why did I doubt you? I already said he has never failed us. Not one time can I ever say he failed me. So why at that moment I got so distracted? I thought you would not do it. If you've done it before, you'll do it again. Hallelujah. So he asked him that. Peter had to ration in himself and say, what was it? I'm asking you the same question. What is it that made you doubt? Here's the good thing. I want to say this right quick. In 32, and when they come, when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Let me tell you this right quick. I have a vivid imagination, so just get with me with that. When Jesus caught him. Do you think that he put on floaters and things like that to help him swim back to that boat? No, ma'am. Peter got him little self back up and he walked to that boat hand in hand with Jesus all the way through the storm because the storm was still raging. It didn't So that he can have a comfortable walk back. It was still boisterous. He put him right back in that same situation he was in and said, Come on here. Let's go. And what did they do? It didn't say Jesus returned and Peter drowned. They both got back on that boat. And when they got back to the point of origin, guess what happened? Then the wind ceased. in life, it's going to be boisterous. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a challenge. But don't you dare give up because in the end, you shall win. God bless each of you. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Come on, y'all give the woman of God a hand praise in this place. Amen. Come on, give God a hand praise for that word. Amen. Somebody grab your neighbor's hand and say, walk on the water. Come on, say, the Lord has told you to come. Walk on that water. What a beautiful, beautiful word. Amen, I thank God. Now you see why God says identify, develop, and launch. Beautiful gifts in this place. Amen. And we're going to let everything that God put in this place come to the surface. Amen. So Jesus want us grab some hands today. Amen. Some of you sinking, walking on that water. But it's so beautiful because the Lord had to take him through those illustrations. To prepare him for what he was bringing him in ministry, and he had to let him go through some storms before he got in his calling to teach him how to walk through the storms. Because how many of you know when he's building faithfulness in you and he's building stability in you? Amen. How many of you know we face storms all of the time? But it's because of those moments like that when it was just Jesus and his disciples who he prepared him to face those storms when he brought them public. a lot of us want to go public before we privately conquer the storms but how many of you know the public storms are more significant because it can cause more damage to you and the kingdom so privately how many of you have some private storms right now How many of you know you're right where you need to be? Let her make you in private. Amen. And I didn't know that that word was going to come out so beautiful like that. Though I knew she had a wonderful word. But I was thinking this morning and the Lord began to say, share with the church. How he that's faithful and little. See, whenever Peter was on that storm, the Lord was trying to make him faithful when he became faithful and little. See, what faithful means is you don't waver, you don't back up, you don't disappear, but you stay solid. No matter what you're facing, you stay solid. And the scripture says that he that's faithful, see, faithfulness is a personality trait see when you commit and you lock in you don't waver that's the kind of people that build ministries, businesses, families and he said, he that's faithful in the least when his personality has faithfulness in it then God said, I'm not afraid to trust him with much because the behavior that he has a little bit that's the same behavior he gonna have when I give him much because that's an internal character trait. Hallelujah. And God is trying to make you faithful. And then Paul is going to tell Timothy, he said, the same, commit to faithfulness. See, when God is trying to move you forward, he's looking for faithfulness. In the storms, in the trials, in adversity, it's these moments when God is saying, okay, let me see what i have and the bible say in the furnace of affliction that's when god is closest to you trying to see okay let me see what i have can i use it can i take them public can i show this to the world to the neighborhood to the family And when you keep yourself composed in the midst of trial, that's when God say, okay, now I can raise him up in due time. Amen. So stay faithful to the Lord. Amen. And I believe God want to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. Amen. We can never leave the house of God without going before our God in prayer. Amen. And I was thinking this morning, amen can you put acts 2 38 up on there chapter Acts, the second chapter verse 38 amen and i want to just share this with you can y'all put that up acts chapter 2 verse 38 everyone stand up as we get ready to go amen then peter said unto them and this is so important because this is how the lord helps you This is how the Lord saves you. This is how the Lord lifts you out of your conditions. Amen. It says, then Peter said unto them, repent. Repent just simply means turn from things that you know is not pleasing God. When she talked about going left versus right, repent means, okay, I'm going left. Let me swing back around and go where I need to go. And a lot of times we can't get filled with God's spirit because we're not willing to humble ourselves and repent. Amen. How many of you know it takes humility to repent? Amen. You've got to be humble enough. You can't be big and bad and proud in this walk. Because even after you've, after you've been walking, it's sometimes five years. Sometimes after five years you need to repent and say, God, I messed up. How many of you know sometimes even after God has given you a title in the kingdom, sometimes you got to repent? How many of you know sometimes people are going to let their titles cause them to not make it in? Because they're going to use their titles and say, because of who I am, I'm right. I don't need to repent. But let God deal with your heart if you know that there's actions, if you know that there's things in your life that God is not pleased with. See, because when your conscience is soft and is tender and is healthy, anytime you do something that God is not pleased with, he'll deal with you in your conscience, praise God. And when God is dealing with you in your conscience, don't let anything stop you from repenting. How many of you know sometimes we all need to repent? Repent. Can I get an amen on that? How many of you ever had to repent sometimes? Man, that's like everybody. Ooh, now that, I'm around God's people there. Sometimes you just need to turn around and say, you know what, I got distracted. Hallelujah. And Peter said, after you repent, that's why the word of God put a comma there. Because sometimes you may not even realize you need to repent but when you hear the word of God and you start reflecting and you start to think and then the spirit of God say you know what that wasn't right and then you start to realize where you error, and those are the spots that's causing the walk with God to have a breach in it because God said it's my, your sin that caused us to be separate but God is so good rich in mercy and then look what he said church Once you repent, you make up in your mind to turn away. Look how beautiful this is. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin. You see who preaching that message? Who preaching that message? The one that got privately tried. Now God raised him up and he getting ready to preach a sermon where thousands of souls... I'm going to get saved. But if he didn't go through that private trial, he couldn't make it to his moment to preach to the world. And he said, every one of you be repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sin. To remit means God forgives it and he blots it out. And in his eyes, it's like you never did it. What a God we serve. What a God we serve to where he remits it like you never did it. Praise God. And when He remitted, don't let anybody bring it back up. Because when you repent of it, and He forgive you, and He remitted, it, it doesn't matter what somebody say. I don't care if they saw you do it last night in the club. But if this word prick your heart today and you repent, when you walk out of here, God is looking at you like you never went to Miami Moon what a God we serve somebody say I thank you that you're not like man I thank him that he's not like a man he's not going to bring it up again he's not going to mention it again in fact he don't even want to talk about it he says, as far as the east is from the west I've separated it from my mind what a wonderful God and then here's what seals the deal he say after you repent And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. He said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now listen to me, beautiful people. It's just that simple. If the word pricked your heart, repent. And then he said, be baptized in Jesus' name. And now you can get the Holy Ghost and then go get baptized. Or you can get baptized and then get the Holy Ghost. But all three of these things must happen in order for you to move into the kingdom of God. You got to get baptized in the water in the name of our Lord Jesus. Because that places you in the family of God. That publicly declares that you have turned from this world, praise God. And then he baptizes you in the Holy Ghost now listen man I can feel the Holy Ghost can't y'all feel them all in the air and how many of you know sometimes church people need to be baptized again cause there's a lot of people in church that think they still have the Holy Ghost but if you're walking in an unrepentant lifestyle you need to come to the realization that there's no way you could, the grace of God which is the Holy Ghost can abound in you and sin is abounding in you at the same time. There's no way you can have an abundance of sin and an abundance of the Holy Ghost at the same time. So if you've been distracted and, and, and brought back into sinful practices, don't be proud today. And let your past feeling of the Holy Ghost to make you think you're okay today because a true person that's filled with the Holy Ghost you can't walk in sin you can't have a consistent mentality of being disobedient to God and be filled with his spirit at the same time it's not even possible when you are filled with the spirit of God it will lead you and guide you into pleasing God praise God so if you are sitting in church so most people they know if they're not filled with the Holy Ghost they know that and you definitely need to come up here you definitely need to be filled but God said open it up to the people that's in church too because some people say they have my spirit but they're not walking in my word and I want to help them see the Holy Ghost comes to help you obey the word amen So I want to open this altar up to everybody in here. Amen. Because think about this. Even on this week, see, this is where people get trapped. As you fought the enemy this week, the virtue left you. Every time you engage in warfare, something leaves. When that woman touched Jesus, he said, who touched me? And Jesus said, and all of them looked around and they began to say, well, Lord, don't you see all of these people around you? How can you say who touched you? The people bumping you and, and, and moving you and, and rubbing your shoulder. He said, no, I'm not talking about a physical touch. He said, but I felt somebody with a need to touch me and it pulled something out of me. The old church people if you counted somebody this week virtue left out of you if you laid hands on somebody's sickness this week virtue left out of you if you ministered the word of God to somebody, virtue left out of you if you did anything this week to help somebody in their Christian walk, something left out of you and you need to be replenished hallelujah, praise God that's why you can't be proud along this way that's why Jesus after he ministered all day long he got away from the crowd because he had to be replenished hallelujah I need a replenishment so I'm going to get my replenishment today praise God I'm going to get at this altar with you and I'm going to ask God while I'm praying for you you pray for me and I don't want anybody to leave out of here depleted not full because you're going to need it this week because you're getting ready to turn from your distractions you're getting ready to focus and you're going to need the spirit of God to keep you full to get you through the wilderness that you got to get through praise God so I'm telling you right now I'm going to pray with you but I'm getting mine too today Hallelujah I want something new to come out of my mouth I don't even want to pray like I prayed last week Hallelujah Lord Look sister already Sister I'm going to show y'all Sister I'm coming to get my replenishment Praise God And if you have any sickness God going to heal you today I said if you have any sickness God is going to heal you today So I want to invite everybody to meet me at the altar today. And jog your mind, if the Holy Ghost is dealing with you, that you need to repent of anything, praise God. Praise God. Just go on and repent of it. Repent of it. Hallelujah. Y'all come up a little closer. We got room for everybody. And move those first two aisles back of chairs. Let's give everybody. I want to make sure our altars are sacred hallelujah this is where we meet God hallelujah we meet God at the altar praise the Lord yes God already refilling he already pouring out his spirit. God said in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh hallelujah Lord let him refill you come on as we begin to call upon him the Bible says whosoever shall call on, You got to call up on him at this altar. Say, God, any sin that I've done, Father, I repent right now. Father, I ask that you forgive me today and that you wash me clean, Father. God, I repent all oh, the Holy Ghost is falling. Come on, lift up your hands right where you are. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Let him Fill you this day. Let him wash you. Let him clean you. Oh, God, refill your people today.